0: Hello and welcome to the third series of the Bold Flavours podcast. I'm Timo, founder and CEO of Gusto. At Gusto, our vision is to be the most loved way to eat dinner. And we currently deliver millions of meals every week. Our purpose is to build amazing products that have positive impact on people and the planet. And we are customer and culture obsessed. From every episode, you can expect frank and fascinating conversations on leadership, what makes a person tick, and scaling businesses. Since starting Gusto in 2012, I've spoken with so many amazing, inspirational, and talented people who have shaped my thinking. This podcast is all about sharing some of these experiences with you. Today's episode is a little different to normal. This Christmas special, my good friend, fellow entrepreneur, and the legend Joe Wiggs will be turning the tables and asking the questions I usually pose to my guests. Over the past year, I've had lots of requests to share a bit more about my background and my leadership journey so far. And so, in true Christmas spirit, I decided to record this very special episode. Thank you, Joe, for being a part of it, and I hope you all enjoy listening. Have a very Merry Christmas. Have a great, happy new year. We'll be back with series four of the Bold Flavors podcast soon. Thank you.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Joe Wicks, the body coach, and I am not only a customer of Gusto and a friend of Timo's, but I'm also an investor in the company. And I love the way that we actually met and got introduced. And um, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you, Timo, because I think your journey and your story is so so inspirational and almost similar to what I've been doing. And even at the same time, I think we both launched our businesses and our company at the same time. So, can not wait to get stuck in with this conversation? And um, yeah, so, Timo, first of all, you're obviously now a super successful founder and CEO, but I want to know a little bit about your background and where you grew up.
0: Joe, so I just want to say I'm like super honored and privileged to spend time with you. Um, you are the nation's fitness coach, making families healthier and happier. And I just love the purpose and the vision. And I'm just super, super excited about, you know, you being on the Gusto menu every week, but also about the shared purpose, Gusto, and, and you have. And so, you know, tremendously appreciate you taking the time. I I grew up in Berlin. The thick German accent has never gone away, despite me having lived here for, you know, 13 years now uh, and loving the UK. But I grew up in Berlin. Um, I was born in 1984, So Berlin back then was divided into four zones following World War II. My mom is the kindest and most caring person I have ever met. She literally spends all her time helping people from refugees to children in need. And I am very outgoing and social. And so I've learned so much about kindness and warmth from my mom. And then my dad is much more introverted and cerebral. He likes books, you know, he's he's uh, age 67. He's trying to learn how to code. He always kind of taught me, you know, work ethics, uh, learning new stuff and really high standards. And so when I look at my own values today, kind of optimism, positivity, energy, kindness, ownership, integrity, high standards, work ethics, you know, all that stuff is really a combination of my parents. And and then I guess I had two events in my teenage years that have massively shaped the person I am today. So the first story is when, when I was 12 I really, really struggled at school. I just didn't enjoy the strict kind of German school system. And I was very active. I was outside all the time. I actually got into lots of trouble. And I don't want to go into detail, but I actually failed 10th grade because I just, you know, went outside and didn't want to study and learn. And my mom pushed me or suggested to me to live in the U.S. And they felt like, you know, Timo was getting into so much trouble. Why not live in the U.S. for a while? My mom was an exchange student in California in 1974, and she and her host sister became incredibly close. And so her host sister from back then, Mary, became my godmother, and she literally looked for a family for me to live in. And so I moved to, to California when I was 16. I lived with an amazing family called the Seward's. They took me in, they exposed me to a very different kind of lifestyle. They're very religious. I'm not religious at all, but I am quite spiritual as a person. So very appreciative, helping others, you know, kindness and care focused. And so it it changed me a lot as a person. I I started playing American football. I was 20 kilos heavier back then. Uh, I know I'm, I'm quite a heavy guy today, but I was 20 kilos heavier back then, and so I started lifting weights. I worked out six days a week. Um, I held the school's deadlift uh, record, and so towards towards the end of my stay, someone even offered me a scholarship to play football at university. But I came back to Germany, finished school. But you know, I have this mini athlete inside me, and you know, you know, we're both quite competitive on the bike, Joe. But that's kind of what really shaped me, and the learning was that this way of life. Just works so much more for me. You know, joining a football team, um, starting to exercise, uh, my grades went up. I ended up realizing school can be fun, and so it had like a profound impact on my life. And then the second story from from my teenage years is is more personal. I've got three amazing siblings. My sister is really warm, caring, kind, like my mom, and she's she's two years younger than me. And then my brothers are 11 and 13 years younger than me, same parents. And I almost had a paternal relationship with both of them. I'm super close to all of them. I love them dearly. And when I was 18 years old, my sister was diagnosed with all kinds of severe mental health issues. And it literally meant that she was in and out of clinics for a long, long, long time. I mean since that for the last 15 years she's taken strong medication she's never worked she is really happy today she's got an amazing life she's got an amazing partner but it is a very different life than your life Joe and my life and it just marked this sharp kind of inflection point for us as a happy family shortly after that happened my brother who was 13 back then he got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and it's obviously an illness that can leave you paralyzed and it creates a ton of uncertainty and anxiety. My brother is one of the most positive guys I've ever met, and he's full of great energy. But he had to really learn how to live, you know, with those circumstances. And I guess it's shaped me so much as a person uh, today. It's shifted from I should to I must. And so if you look at my work ethics, my drive, my passion, my commitment, it's, it's really linked to my siblings. I can, they cannot. It's really simple in my mind. And so it's given me this huge energy, motivation, drive. Um, my siblings are amazing. I'm super proud of them. They've got amazing lives. But it did, you know, overshadow kind of my teenage years uh, to some extent. And it also means that mental health as a discussion topic is so much more personal for me. So that's, that's me growing up.
1: Well, it's really lovely to hear that background and, you know, to see where it all, you know, where it all came from when your hunger and your passion. And I also see that real determination, you know, and I'll going back to that thing about, you know, the exercise and the fitness and the kind of, the, the, your like relentlessness to pursue something. I mean, I jumped on the Peloton bike with you thinking (laughs) I'm good on the Peloton I'm fit. But I tell you that day we raced, I couldn't believe how like I was digging deep and you still beat me. And I I realized right there and then that you just had that work effort that I'm just not going to give up. And you've, you've obviously applied that same mentality to your business and your company. And I, I really am so proud of what you've achieved. Like we've been working together now for almost four years. And I remember the first time we met, you know, in your office in London. And you told me about the time, you know, you launched Gusto, and you, you were literally like walking and delivering these recipe boxes yourself. And it's almost synonymous to kind of what I was doing as as a personal trainer with the flyering. You know, I was there on my own at the start in 2012 and it was really difficult, but I was so passionate and I really believed in what I was doing. And to see how how far I've come and to see how far you've come in the pretty much the same timeframe, it's amazing. And, you know, you telling me about the growth and the, the, the way this, this vision, this company is coming together. And I think what I really loved about you the most is that your purpose and your passion was really about helping families eat healthy food. And I, that's something we both agree on and we both really believe in. So when we did join up and we kind of came together with the recipes and the the content and stuff on social media, it was such a perfect fit. And I, it's very rare that you get brand partnerships where two people come together and it really works for, for both sides. But are you, are you happy with how the things, have, you know, the partnership's gone between us?
0: I'm so incredibly happy. And look, I get asked all the time, you know, who's the next Joe? Like, should we, you know, is there a partnership opportunity with somebody like Joe? Can we have more Joe-like partnerships? But there's only one Joe. And, you know, as you said, it's a really honest relationship. You became a customer. You reached out. We met in my office for the first time and kind of clicked, you know, we became friends. So it's kind of organically grown as a partnership. And I think you can't force this stuff if somebody's not authentic about it, if they their heart is not in it. You can feel it, right? You sense it, but given kind of the shared purpose. Yeah. I mean, man, it's, it's the best partnership ever. I I love working with you. I love what you are doing, what you're accomplishing and, you know, fitness and food is kind of where healthcare is is heading. And so it just makes perfect sense uh, to team up and yeah, super happy.
1: Timo, when we met that first time, so I'll quickly run through for people that don't know the story, but basically I had a massive opportunity with, with a big supermarket in the UK, and, you know, they laid down a lot of, lot of money on the table and I was like, wow, this is incredible. When it came to the products, it was fast food. It was ready meals, um, frozen stuff, microwave dinners, sandwiches. And I, I, I just thought to myself, I've spent the past, you know, six, seven years convincing people that they can find 15, 20 minutes to cook a meal and to enjoy that journey and enjoy that process. And so it was never the right thing. And, and at the same time, I turned that deal down. My friend Brendan who literally had someone knock on his door one evening and sell him Gusto because he's like, right, I don't want to hear. They go, that's no, about food. And he goes, right, you've got two minutes. Whoever it was, was a great salesperson because they got my friend Brendan to sign up to Gusto with his family. And he was like, look, Joe, give this a go. So me and my brother, Nicky, we signed up. We were using it for a few months. And from that moment on, I have had four recipes a week, every single week for the past four years. And obviously the opportunity with the supermarket I didn't want, but I really believe that I could still have a partner in the food space that – really believed in, you know, healthy food, getting that food and those ingredients to someone's table where they can cook and enjoy food as a family. And, you know, I'm so proud of the partnership and how the impact I've had, I've seen it, I've felt it and I've seen it happen. But also that I, you know, I, I invested my own money in the company because I really believed in it. And I, I don't invest in companies. I'm not someone who does that. I've never done that. But to see the impact I've had, and to see you succeed and grow as an individual and as a company, you know, I'm I'm so proud of that. And I, I love everyone I've worked with. You know, from Carl and all the team there and everyone there. It's like it's a family. And I just think what an amazing thing that you were a founder and you had you were a person with an idea and you've kept you know you've kept going. You've built something so amazing. But where did that determination come from? And I want to know about some of the kind of mistakes along the way or some of the difficult challenges you faced um, on this journey to building Gusto to where it is today.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, look, it's a team effort. You mentioned Carly, you know, Anna, Tom. they are like so many amazing people in the team. Your team, your brother, Nikki. you know, I mean, everyone is special and everyone plays a role. But as you said, like, it's... You know, it's that very special relationship around trust, shared purpose. You've got so much integrity. You could have taken a bigger paycheck, you know, run with it, have a great lifestyle, but you kind of play the long game. You really care about people. And so that's what makes this special. Yeah, mistakes. I mean, I make so many mistakes all the time. I've got so much to learn. I'm 36 years old. I'm running a company that has almost 2,000 employees. And so I feel this huge privilege, but at the same time, this huge obligation to learn fast, not just from my own mistakes, but from books, from other people, the team. And I think the most critical point is... You have to create a no-blame culture and to frame stuff as a learning opportunity. And so, for instance, you know, if a factory launch is delayed, what do you do as an organization, as a CEO, as a board? You can lead with curiosity, empathy, focus on learning, or you can shout at people and make them feel small and bad. And the former approach has always created 10 times better outcomes in my world. And so my job really is to be the chief energy officer if if somebody's down, you know, if somebody makes I love that. I've never heard that before.
1: Chief energy officer, that's brilliant. I love that.
0: You know, it's almost like a power socket, right? You got to build people up and you got to energize them if they're down. And once they have 100% headspace to focus on solutionizing and learning, they don't do politics or blaming other people and success chances go up. But I mean, on a personal level, in the early days, I hired a ton of of wrong people. You know, they were superstars, senior leaders in other companies. They achieved amazing results. But quite quickly, I learned that they shouted at people. They created the wrong culture, a culture of fear or top down. And that's not okay, right? It's, um, It's poison. And so I had to rectify it. Since then, I've done a thousand plus senior leadership interviews. And I focus so much more on behaviors and attitude and far less on experience, but massive learnings.
1: Dude, I can't believe when you say those numbers, 2000 members of staff, like you've created something that has given so many people an amazing career and an opportunity. Like you're, like you said, you are now supporting thousands of people who have kids and families. Like do you ever? I always feel like when I look at you, you're very calm and composed. But do you ever feel pressure, or do you ever feel a bit nervous about going into these big steps that you're moving forward into? Or are you, are you are you just so optimistic and positive, and believe in yourself so much that you can just cruise through these decisions quite
0: easily? Look, I just feel insanely privileged, you know, to have the job I have. You know, I hope I can lead Gusto for the next 10, 20 years. I do focus a ton on appreciation, gratefulness. I do really believe it's a team sport. And I, you know, I could list hundreds of people at Gusto. And I mean, they do all the heavy listing and they deserve all the huge credit. But yeah, I mean, like, look, I'm a I'm a pretty calm person. I'm pretty rational. I I do compete against a lot my, against myself a lot. So I, I love to exercise. Um, I can't do meditation. I'm too high energy for that. But, you know, I love to exercise. I exercise every single day. It creates positive energy. I read a ton. I I listen to a ton of people and I'm just a a very kind of thankful person. Um, And the opportunity is just insane. You mentioned the impact we're having on people, not just customers and families, But also employees and so every time we can afford to raise salaries i'm like literally celebrating i want to pay people whatever i can afford to pay to have positive impact on their families and their lives and i see this not only as a privilege but also as a huge huge responsibility i want everyone who works at gusto you know to earn more at gusto than they could earn elsewhere and that's challenging right and we're still a business that's growing fast we have you know limited financial means and so on but the ambition is there to make it better and better and better for every single person working here, just like our customers.
1: Such an amazing attitude. And it's so, it's so nice to hear that because you just don't always get that impression from CEOs. And it's always, you know, you're just chasing the individual success and individual growth. But I do. I really believe you when you say that about the family, about, the company and everyone else wanting to, you want everyone else to succeed, succeed. And I, you know, you are part of a team and I, I just love that, that mindset that you've got. And I, I feel like I'm 36 and you're obviously 36. And I, I see like this wisdom in you and this kind of, this kind of knowledge that it almost seems like you've been in the industry and the business for so much longer, but do, have you had mentors along the way to help you get to where you are? Cause you feel like it sounds like you're very grounded, very calm and, you really have the right, I just feel like your priorities are really there. And have you had mentors along the way to help you get to that?
0: Yeah. I mean, like I learned from everyone, Joe, I learned a ton from you. I, you know, I, every person I meet, I learn from every every time I go to the coffee machine, I learn something from a team member. And so I'm just like intensely curious. I read a book every week. I read podcasts, I listen to stuff. And so I, I had probably like 20 mentors over the last, you know, 20 more 10 20 years I also have worked with coaches a lot I am coaching people myself and so to me it's it's all about people it's about the conditions you create for people to be their best have fun be productive it's not so much about the what what is the problem it's more about the conditions you're creating for people to be at their best uh, and kind of how they feel how you're motivating them and kind of thinking about working on the business not in the business if that makes sense
1: yeah, no, that makes sense, and it just sounds like yeah, you've got all, you've got everything under control, and like you said, hiring the right people is so key, and it seems like the culture obviously stems from the top. And I think yeah, like when when I speak to all the people that I've, I've met at Gusto, even from the rescue developers and to the to the photographers and the people that are involved in the, you know the the marketing, everyone seems to be on the same page. I, I they always speak so highly of you. They and I, you know, even even the staff party that I've been to a couple of times, like there's just this energy about you. You're just someone who is respected, and they they see you as this inspirational figure that is really leading the company i think that what that's what makes a good you know a good ceo in my opinion i want to go back to the start a little bit quickly to so ask you like you know there's obviously competitors in this industry that are doing a similar thing but when when and why did you see this opportunity like where was your head when you thought i'm going to go into this industry and try and create recipe boxes that get delivered to someone's front door and i'm going to take on these companies and i'm going to do it my way what was that in, what was that kind of catalyst what got you to that
0: point So, I mean, I had a couple of other jobs before. Um, I worked in a supermarket when I was 16. I worked in a vineyard. And so that stuff... Taught me, you know, huge respect for manual work. When I was at university, I started a fund with and for students. And this was in 2006 and 2007. So, right in the bubble, and we just took crazy risk. We invested into penny stocks, and the market went up, and we went up like five times more than the market. And so, everyone thought we're like amazing stock pickers, we're genius, but obviously. It all came down to luck. And then when I was 22, I, I interned at B- BMW, both in Germany and um, Spain. I actually I actually still studied, but in Germany, you didn't have to attend class. You can just take the exam. So I worked at BMW. I studied hardcore for two weeks at the end. I passed the exams without going there. And so I was incredibly driven in my early 20s to just kind of achieve stuff and expand my, my horizon. And then I I studied in San Diego State University, but I didn't read the fine print, so I... um... You know, I just saw California and San Diego and I, I opted in. Um, I said, you know, this is amazing. But the fine print actually said I would be living in a, at a satellite campus in Calexico, which is a border town in the middle of nowhere, literally in the desert with like 45 degrees. And I'm a blonde, pale guy. It's a massive revelation. But, but back then, I just didn't feel challenged enough. I taught math, I I taught statistics. And so I applied for investment banking and they flew me to New York, you know, age 22. I felt like super special. I had no clue what investment banking does, but it kind of was the flavor of the month back then, pre-financial crisis. Um, And they said, look, you know, there's an internship in Frankfurt in in Germany. So I did that. I spent four months there. And then they said, there's a job in London. Do you want to take it? You'd be amazing. I was like, okay, fine. I've never been to the UK. I've never lived in London. I don't know anyone, but why not? And so I I finished my uh, university degree on the day of the final exam. I flew to London. I started uh, investment banking and I gained this analytical toolbox and a very, very deep appreciation for the brand, um, the company built I worked at, which they maintained for 200 years, but I didn't love the culture. And so I joined a hedge fund at age 26. I became a vice president in a hedge fund in London. I ran a small office, small fund, and it was really, really, you know, so much ownership and so much adrenaline and so much exposure, but I just never saw myself in finance. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and start a business. And my godparents built food companies in California. And so they always kind of challenged me, why are you not starting a business? You can always go back to paying job if it fails, you know, do something in food. Food is fun, you love food, you're foodie. And so, you know, at some point in 2012, I just felt like, man, like there's no, no downside, right? I don't need lots of money. My uh, girlfriend, today wife, you know, she, she studied. And so we moved back into student accommodation to save money, tiny, tiny one bedroom flat at university. You know, I, as you said, I did all the deliveries myself. I gave people my phone number to call me if there's any issue. I handed out flyers all day. And it was the grind, um, just the way you described that it. it took a long time for this, you know, to properly take off. But yeah, it's been hugely fun. And I mean, the conviction I had back then is there has to be, a better way to feed families. So our vision is to be the most loved way to eat dinner in the UK. And it's still the same as like almost 10 years ago. And the purpose has always been the same. The purpose is to build amazing products that have positive impact on people and the planet. And so You know, back then, I had no money, nothing, but I still had the same kind of passion and energy. Today, obviously, we've got an amazing team and we've got scale uh, and it's a lot easier. But yeah, it's been fun. And, you know, 40% of food is wasted in the UK. That's crazy. There are people starving. And so, you know, I literally thought about how do you make this healthier, more convenient, but also how do you take the 40% food waste out of the system? Because that's pretty much one of the biggest impacts on. CO2 emissions and and global warming. And so we ended up building a model that gives customers exactly what they want. And there's no food waste in the supply chain or at customer house. So it's literally win, 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 customer benefits, environment benefits, and also us as a company, we achieved a better margin. Yeah, so that that was kind of what got me to do it back then. And coming from a very high salary to no salary is such a great motivation.
1: Man, what a story. You know, I love... I love business stories and I love success stories of people that have really just worked their socks off. And it's the same with me. I'm I'm a what you see today is a 10 year overnight success story. I've worked so hard, (laughs) you know, flying at the station when no one comes to the boot camp, handing out those flies, trying to get someone to come along and just join my classes. And it was such a hard grind, but I I had this self-belief and this voice in my head that said, you know, keep coming, keep turning up. Someone's going to come and it's going to grow and build. And I never listened to any negative voices in my head or from friends that said, you know, go and work for a gym, go and work at David Lloyd or Holmes Place and get a job. You know, I just thought, no, I'm going to do this because I believed in it. And I've been very purpose driven. What I love about you is you said something I'd never really heard before. You said, Joe, I have a 10 year horizon. I see long into the future. You know, I don't just like think about today or next month. You had this vision of, you know, really planning for the future and building something amazing. And That really got me thinking as well about myself. Like, What could I do with my legacy? You know, I don't just want to do pee with Joe and sell a few books and it be be over. I think meeting you has kind of, in a way, inspired me to think longer and bigger. And I've loved that. I've loved that we've had that, you know, those conversations that have really got me a little bit more inspired. Um, Oh, that's
0: super special to hear. Thank you. Yeah,
1: it's amazing how you meet these people in life. And it's like one little comment or, you know, little, little kind of, bit of a nugget of information can really send you on a path of like believing in in yourself a little bit more. And you've, you've done that for me, man. And that story, again, like anyone listening can just, you can see Gusto and think, wow, this huge company with all these people, but it was just you with an idea. And I I love that. And it's amazing,
0: dude. So congratulations. Um, Yeah. And I mean, so, I mean, again, right. There's so many people that deserve so much credit. I couldn't have done it possibly without, you know, listing a hundred people hundreds of people who supported me on the way but yeah it is day one today our share of stomach is embryonic there's 68 million people in the uk eating lunch and dinner and that's one billion meals eaten every single week and so the opportunity we have today is bigger and bigger and bigger than ever before and so we're still playing the long game we're still focused on the next 10 years even 10 years into this journey it's uh, it's just hugely exciting
1: one thing I want to talk about, which blows my mind is the kind of tech and the AI, all the software, the engineers, you know, the people in the background that are making it. Because I love the app and I've seen it grow from the very start to, to, to now. It's recommending things. It's become easier to use. It's, you know, you can add um, sides, you can get desserts and puddings. It's, it's so much improvement every single day. And as a tech business now, you know, I've got an app. I, I know how much effort it takes to make these little twigs. How have you been on this journey with tech? And because it's not something you're maybe used to, but it seems like you're really leading the way in this space. How do you get to that point? Because you are smashing it in the AI, you know, back end, aren't you?
0: Uh, That's really kind. I mean, we're trying really, really hard. All the credit goes to the 300, 400 people who work in product and technology. It's such an amazing team of people that, you know, they're PhDs in machine learning, they're people who work on databases, they're people who work on AWS scalability, on cybersecurity and, and so on. It's a hugely diverse team and just pushing and pushing and pushing to make it better for customers. But I think it's, you know, we we've always seen us as a data company that loves food and we've always taken a very kind of data-led approach. Food is really personal. What you eat, is very different than what I eat. And so therefore we should see totally different menus. The menu should be designed around my needs. You know, if I'm watching Netflix, I should see a short menu. I just want to click a button, get the stuff delivered. But if, I, if I've if i got time and I want to browse, I should see a different menu experience. So even the same person should see very personalized experiences. You know, somebody who's lactose free or vegan should never see certain meats. Five million people have diabetes, hypertension. All these topics mean that the gusto menu really, really has to be hyper-personalized. And then we focus so much on automating the back end. So we're trying to build the back end for personalized nutrition so that we can customize and personalize every single recipe to the individual need and thereby really fueling a person's, you know, potential and and life and food. You know, we don't get it right all the time, but we're working really hard and the factories we're building are getting more and more and more automated. We're using uh, huge AI teams kind of to, to make them better. There's some optimization problems, there's some proper, deep learning AI problems and we're having a ton of fun I mean Gusto today has I think 13-14 data products and they power everything you see as a customer they power our low food waste they power our ability to reduce packaging so we literally utilize technology to operationalize the vision and so, if we think about you know becoming the most loved way to eat dinner as a ten year vision, how do we operationalize it? You know we look at kind of technology to solve for those issues. And to really, really kind of create a customer outcome that's better than anything you've seen before. But as I said before, Joe, this is day one. We'll double and triple the tech team. We're doing hiring like crazy. And um, we'll create an experience that's like 10 times better than what you see today. And so the next 10 years just will be will be amazing from that perspective.
1: Oh man, it's amazing. I'm so fascinated by that. You know, that I just and I just don't think the competition have that vision and that kind of that kind of, yeah, that that awareness of like, it's all got to be tech based. It's all about data and it's all about understanding the customer. And, you know, for me now as a, someone with an app, I'm trying to constantly understand the users. When are they exercising? How many times a week? What types of recipes are they eating? Because, you know, I'm trying to encourage the same like consistency with the use of the app and the recipes. So yeah, we're really, we've got so many things in common with our businesses. It's amazing that, yeah, we're on this journey together, and I'm I'm learning. But listen, you're you're hiring all the good engineers. There's none left. Save a few for me, mate. Come on, I can't get any now. They're all like they're all at Gusto. <laughs> you're
0: nicking them we, all. We need so many. So if you are listening, join Gusto. Don't join Joe. Now I'm just joking. Joe Joe needs engineers. I
1: need um, a few. I'm only. I'm only looking to hire about thirty or forty people in the next year. But is it? What were you amazing. saying? You're going to be hiring in the next couple of years. What? What are you trying to? Um, your employment's going up. Something silly, isn't it? What's the uh, aim?
0: I think we're hiring. You know, close to five hundred people, uh, in the next wow. three four months, and then a thousand plus people next year again. It's just so much hiring going on. I mean, wow. Just How do you get better?
1: When you see that growth and you're see, like you're leaning into this in such a way where it's like more people, are you excited by it or do you ever I don't know do you ever get kind of nervous and scared by the thought of having another thousand members of staff in such a short time?
0: No, I mean, like, look, I think we are in the business of scale. So every time you, or somebody eats gusto, 23% of CO2 emissions are taken out of the system versus the equivalent supermarket shop. And so that really inspires me. You know, we're really having like tangible, measurable, positive impact, not just on people, but also on the planet. And so the more meals we can sell... You know, the better for families, the better for the planet. And it's a virtuous circle and a flywheel. And we just want to accelerate the flywheel as much as we possibly can. And that's why we're hiring all these people. Um, And I just see it as a huge privilege to, you know, to welcome them to Gusto. They're crazy kind people. They're crazy driven, crazy purposeful, passionate, intelligent. You know, I run these new joiner breakfast sessions every single month. And I'm just blown away by the quality and the commitment and just how great, great people we have. Um, And they could choose any company, but they're choosing Gusto, which is really humbling for me. And so my job is literally just to make the conditions they work in as positive as possible so that they build their careers over, you know, not just two years, but five to 10 years so that's kind of my ambition, what I'm focused on, uh, and yeah, I mean, look, is it difficult? Yeah, we just had a pandemic. You know, people worked from home. How do you energize people sitting behind a behind a screen? You know, we've we've adapted fast, but I do think there's some fatigue. People want to socialize again. They want to come to the office not every day but maybe two days out of five and so we i think we just have to find better ways more ways to cut through the noise to energize people and to to reach their hearts not just their minds
1: yeah i totally agree mate it's been a, it's been a difficult time especially for community and for culture and like i missed the i had an office of a gym in and we had we worked mm. out together we had lunch together so yeah it's really hard to replicate that even through zoom like eventually there's always got to be that hub where you know, where you come together and your offices also like they're epic, they're massive. And I yeah, I love visiting the HQ. I want to ask you, obviously, I feel like you've got a real great wisdom and a real great kind of insight into life as a CEO. But what do you think makes a great CEO, you know, for not just your company, but overall in general, for anyone out there listening who might be an entrepreneur? What do you think makes a great CEO?
0: I mean, I feel like I'm still dabbling in being a CEO and for many years I've been an entrepreneur and then I had to figure out, you know, what is it that Timo wants to be when he's grown up? And so now I'm trying to be a, a CEO, but I, I, I mean, I guess from my perspective, it, it's all about vision and purpose. It's about empathy, listening, kind of relentless drive, positive energy, I mean, most of the things I just mentioned is exactly kind of what you bring to the table, what what Joe, Joe's brand is all about. And then I think it's all about creating the right conditions for people to succeed and, and to be their best and to have fun and to be engaged. It's not about me or the CEO, it's about all the people that make up Gusto from the person you know driving the forklift, collecting potatoes on a field. I mean, there's so many people who make up the combined success of this company. And so it's really about unlocking that human potential these people have. I could list stuff like oh you have to appreciate data and technology and so on but I really think it's about you know those conditions you build as the person leading the organization and how you make people feel are they, are they being appreciated are they recognized do they feel like they're growing are they developing? are you listening to their issues? do you build a diverse kind of culture where are the biases what's the stuff you don't know And so it's um, yeah it's a fun fun journey. I'm sure I get a I, I'll have a better answer like 10 20 years but it's fun learning.
1: I tell you one thing Tim, you will be on a podcast. My favorite podcast is called How I Built This. Oh yeah. You you're, you're going to be on that one day and you're also going to have an amazing book because I think you've got so many great things to teach <laughs> to learn and to share. But yeah, about that culture thing. So I've listened to you know How I Built This. It's always about entrepreneurs that scaled and scaled and a lot of them talk about this moment where it shifts from being, you know, 200 members of staff and everyone knows each other and they love each other. It's amazing. And then when you get into two, three, 4,000 members of, t- of a team, it's very hard to maintain that culture. H- how do you see yourself in the future, making sure that the values of gusto and what you believe in are still there? If you're, you know, all over the place with thousands of staff, how do you maintain that pure essence of gusto amongst your you know, team from the very bottom up to the top?
0: So in the early days, we literally had to take all the desks out of the office and the office was like a single room, tiny. And we had like, I don't know, 10, 20 people in the the office. We had to carve out the office to pick boxes in the office. I mean, this was right at the beginning, not later. And now, obviously, we have big factories But, you know, everyone saw how I'm behaving, how everyone else is behaving, and culture was just so obvious and in your face. And I think as we get bigger, the key really is intentionality. So how do we make these behaviors? We love kind of the winning behaviors. How do we make them as repeatable as possible? And so we have nine ownership principles or values and we use them to hire people, to promote people, to celebrate folks at quarterly town halls. You know, we put them on the wall. We literally, you get like a booklet sent before you join to welcome you that has them. They're on your desk. And so we try to make it, you know, really clear that it's not about the result you achieve. It's about the behavior and the performance and kind of the culture and the condition. And so that's a really, really big part of what we're striving to achieve. Diversity plays a massive, massive role. No one knows how the future of food will look like in 10 years. And the more diverse Gusto as a team is, you know, the more likely we will figure out what the future brings. So it's all about meritocracy. It's not about Timo's idea or the board's idea or whatever. It's literally empowering people to be their best, to speak up, to raise concerns, and then collectively own the company and the future over the next 10 years. And that's how we unlock kind of their potential. But hey, nothing is ever perfect. And I'm like fully aware we got to work hard on everything um, I think there's a huge opportunity for us to invest even more into learning and development, creating amazing kind of journeys for people through their career to stay 10 years at Gusto. And so, you know, in the next 10 years, we'll we'll figure out a lot how to make culture even more scalable. But I would say intentionality has been kind of the key word for us in, in that journey. Love it.
1: Love that, man. It's exciting to see where it's going to go. And I, I wanted to quickly ask you, like, after all these years in the game, you know, you 10 years in now, right? Was it 2012
0: you launched Gusto? 2012, yeah, almost 10. Next year we're celebrating. I gotta so, invite you, Nikki, everyone. We've got to have a big party.
1: Yeah, dude, I launched the body coach. I launched my first boot camp in the same year. So we're literally like in complete parallel to each month, other.
0: What months did you launch?
1: I launched it in the summer of like 2012. It was like during <laughs> the Olympics. Year. Yeah, I launched it in the summer, and I was, you know, nobody turned up to so that first boot camp. Just my family were there. And and I just kept going. Like, and you've literally we've been on these same paths Same timing, how we yeah. how we met and and, you know, we've managed to kind of cross paths. And I, re- I really am so proud of the impact I've had on Gusto. And, I, and like I said, you, you've helped me. It's a wonderful partnership that's worked for both of us. But I know what motivates me every day. Like my motivation, honestly, is it's people. It's children. It's seeing kids exercise. It's seeing parents with their kids having, you know, adventures and getting outside and moving their bodies. And I'm, I'm so passionate about it. And it's really what motivates me every day. You know, and I just want to hear you as a CEO. Like what really, truly motivates you every day when you wake up? What is it that's keeping you driving forward at such intensity that you are?
0: And by the way, you should be so enormously proud. I know you hear this all the time, but I mean, all my friends are doing your workouts. I'm doing your workouts religiously every week. I mean, the impact you're having on people's lives is just crazy profound. And, you know, Thank you, man. there are three people in all of the UK that have the impact you are having. It's just amazing. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're still enjoying the workouts. <laughs> always, always. I love them. But yeah, what I mean, what motivates me you know, it's the impact we're having on the planet, on people eating gusto and the people who work at gusto. And so that stuff really, really inspires me. You know, I see what like CO2 emissions we're saving every time we ship a box. I see the impact we're having on people and their families when, you know, every time we raise salaries, we pay great salaries and so on, they become shareholders in the company. And it's just a really, really massive kind of. Obligation, but also a huge joy to see the positive impact. And then people, you know, we we've been a part of people's lives for so many years. They cook gusto every single week and they achieve their goals and we play a minor role. And so that stuff is just massively, massively motivating for me. I get up, I you know, I love my job, and I think about the positive impact we're having. And at the end of the day, it's really easy to stay humble, even uh, as we get bigger, right? The problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. And my job is to focus on, on these problems all the time. And so for me, it's relatively easy to stay humble and, and focused on the vision and try to make it better for everyone.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Well, look, you're doing an amazing job and it's just, I'm so proud of you, dude. I just want to ask a good question before we finish. On the CO2 thing, can you explain in practical terms, like how, how does Gusto reduce the CO2 imprint versus like if you were going to the supermarket and buying all your bits and bobs there, like, what, what does it actually do? Is it because of the deliveries and stuff?
0: Sure. I mean, if you push food across 10,000 supermarkets in the UK, you've got so much plastic and waste in the supply chain because the supermarket goes to the intermediary, they go to the food processor, they import the food and so on. So it's a very long supply chain with tons of waste and packaging. What we try to do is we try to go straight to the farm. We only buy exactly what we need so we don't hold the stock you know if you go to tesco you know at the end of the day the sandwich looks pretty poor they dump it they throw it out they can't even give it to a homeless shelter sadly and so by pushing all that food into stores you create a ton of food waste and then at people's homes because people buy a jar of something and then they use a fraction again you create so much food waste whereas what we do is we don't have our own delivery fleet. We literally just send food across the UK using the existing delivery supply chain. So they're already sending parcels uh, to the highlands and islands in the UK. Why not also take a Gusto box? And so thereby, we're not really creating more CO2 emissions. And so that's really important. We also really look at You know, what packaging solution do we have? How do we make all the packaging recyclable, reusable, compostable? And so we're on this massive, massive push to make it as sustainable as possible. Those those are kind of the key things. But when you compare like for like versus supermarkets, we had Bristol University do a study. We then had a think tank kind of substantiate the study and verify it. It's pretty, pretty shocking, like how much efficiency is lost in that supermarket old school supply chain.
1: That's so interesting to hear, man. It is, it's something that I am really passionate about as well. And it's, I'm so ashamed of myself when I throw food in the bin. Like I, I remember I went to Costa Rica. This is the first time I ever thought about this. I went to Costa Rica and I, re- I saw these amazing banana plantations. And then when I got home, you know, you see the bananas are coming from Costa Rica, right? So I thought those bananas are hand picked by someone in Costa Rica. And because I've been out for a few days, I've come home and the bananas have gone black and I, I'm throwing yeah. that in the bin and it, it was the first time it registered in my head that a human being has picked this and I haven't used it I've wasted it and it's it's such a horrible feeling to do that and so the fact that you are reducing that in a positive way and you're not having to waste half a jar of pesto or half a jar of soy sauce like it is positive. It is a really good, it is a positive step in the right direction. And I think it's amazing that your company isn't just thinking about the customer and the food. It's actually the planet, the environment. And these, The, the these, in my opinion, the companies are going to win long term because we are all going to become, a, we're all going to have that banana moment for, from Costa Rica where we go, <laughs> I don't want to throw these strawberries away. I, don't, You know, someone's picked these by hand. I want to be grateful and enjoy that food. And that is so amazing that you're combining that mission for the planet as well as the consumer and the customer at the end of it.
0: Yeah. And look, I mean, my grandma is 92 years old and she's seen World War II, obviously. She was a child back then. And I mean, they had no food post-World War II. And like they grew up eating even even bread that's off, everything. And today we just live in this world of abundance and the, the price of stuff has come down so much. It's one of the biggest challenges. How do we stop kind of the addiction to the abundance we have and and make sensible choices? And then as a a company, you know, we have this moral obligation and, and mission to just make it better for everyone. We can't just rely on individuals. Companies have to take an ownership in this. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I'm positive. I think the next 10 years will be pretty amazing. More and more and more companies will have that mindset. And so I'm fairly optimistic about the future.
1: Right, this is going to lead me on to my final question. So, where do you envisage yourself and Gusto 10 years from now? So, that new horizon, we're here today, and it's 2021. Where do you see yourself in 2031 and Gusto as a company?
0: I mean, as I said before, our share of stomach in the UK is just embryonic. I mean, there are 68 million people. The trends are sustainability, convenience and health. So 2021, 2031, these are the mega waves we're riding today and in 10 years. And so the more we can leverage technology and automation and data and unlock the team's kind of you know potential, the more we can kind of build a crazy, crazy, crazy differentiated value proposition for customers whilst making the planet better. And so without going into too many specifics, wow. I mean, if you you enjoy Gusto today, wait until we make it a hundred times better and create something that no one else has done. I just want to give you one example, right? Food will be medicine in the next 10 years. What we eat is so important. It's similar to exercise and what you are doing, Joe. So as a society, we're moving away from popping pills, which for the last 50 years we thought is preventive healthcare, towards fitness and food. And you are obviously leading on on the fitness side. Gusto can lead on the health side. And so if you think about diabetes, hypertension, all these issues in the UK, wow, Gusto's impact, As we get better at personalization, customization, really, really tailoring the menus to you, whether you're kosher or halal or whatever you care about, we can have such a profound impact beyond what you see today. You know, today it's tasty, it's fun, it's great quality, it's from the farm, it doesn't cost a fortune, it's affordable. But it can be so much more in the future, and that's why why I'm excited on a personal level, on a on a gusto level. You know, we we hopefully grow to to a ten thousand plus people company, and yeah, it's just it's just a crazy ride. It's the ride of my life. It's super super fun, and I get to work with people like you, Joe, and it's just insanely fun.
1: Yes, team. Oh, gusto to the moon is what Woo! I say. Gusto to the moon. <laughs> well, listen, I just want to say, like you, know, in my opinion, in my eyes, and I'm not just saying this because you know we're chatting now, like me and Nikki talk about all the time, you are a true entrepreneur and like you deserve, you deserve the success. Don't ever lose sight of that. You've worked so hard and what you've built is incredible. And, you know, you're really making an impact like, on, on, on the food culture in the UK. And it's, it's very amazing. So congratulations. And also, you know, thank you for bringing on this journey. Like we met in that office. It was a very small little brand partnership, which has grew into something, you know, much bigger because I, I do believe in this vision. And I really hope that, you know, we are going to work together long into the future and I hope that, you know, in 10 years time, we're still friends, we're still celebrating when you've taken this company to that next level and you're reaching millions and millions of families every week. So thanks again, mate. And I hope you've enjoyed our
0: chat. I loved it, Joe. Thank you for everything you've done. Let's be friends for you know a long, long, long time. Let's make it happen. Let's unlock the potential. Let's have positive impact on people and the planet. And yeah, thanks, thanks for everything. I love your energy. I love your positivity. It's it's radiating. You get me to exercise more. And yeah, I, I massively just appreciate everything you've done. All the best and see you soon.
1: Amazing, amazing team. What a legend. Gusto to the moon. Woo!